0: Bing bong! I'm back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, where I'm joined by Julian Shibley, goes by Shibs. He has the show, The Weekly Hoddle. He puts out great content. We talk about how we met at the Bitcoin conference, his orange pill story, uh, his experience with orange pilling people, uh, and uh, you know the wide range of politicians that were at the Bitcoin conference and his main takeaways. So be sure to tune in for another action-packed episode. And if you're listening to this on any audio podcast platform, please hit that subscribe button. Give the show a five-star review. Those reviews do go really far and help the show grow. And if you're listening on Podcasting 2.0 apps, thank you so much for the sad streamed and boosted uh those boosts are greatly appreciated as well as the stream sats so on that note ladies and gentlemen remember this is not financial advice everything you hear in this podcast is strictly the opinion of shibs and myself now let's get into the episode whoosh bing bong i'm back with another edition of the state of bitcoin podcast i'm recording this a little early so i'm not going to read everybody who's streaming sats um, but I did see a few boosts already on the last episode and I did see some sad streams. So those are greatly appreciated. Uh, so yeah, like I said, I'm recording this a little bit earlier than normal. So if those keep rolling in, I don't want to miss anybody. Uh, maybe I'll read them all in the next episode. So um, yeah, it's greatly appreciated. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that like button and that subscribe button to help the show grow. It allows me to get a lot of great guests. Uh, but first, I have a great new sponsor or sponsor that you know, Coddle Co. Codl dot That's C-O-D-L dot C-O. You can use promo code green candle to get 10% off your hardest or your entire order for the best punch plates in the game. So get your Bitcoin off exchanges. Use a punch plate from Coddle.co to store those seed phrases and you get 10% off. So use that 10% that you would have normally spent on those to buy some more sets. Now, I have a great guest here in the waiting room i got shibs what's up man how you doing hey hey man what's going on how are you i'm doing well i'm doing well long time no see right i mean uh i just met you at the bitcoin conference we were just kind of talking about our travels back and forth but uh glad that you made it home safe and uh yeah um so let's start there uh before we get into the conference actually let's uh why don't you tell a little bit about uh who you are and kind of what you do in the space
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, my name is Julian Shibley. I go by Shibs. I've got a YouTube uh, station called The Weekly Huddle with Shibs, which I created about a year and a half ago. It's also on, uh, you know, Fountain and all the uh, all the podcasts as well. Um, I started about a year ago with the intent of basically just, uh, you know, educating on uh, people on Bitcoin adoption uh, on a weekly basis, as well as bringing in you know, guests from the space because Lord knows, uh, there's a lot of smart people out there, uh, and they all have their kind of niches. Uh, and, uh, so I'd like to bring those people in. So, my um, guests or, or my, um, my following can hear them speak it, uh, direct, you know?
0: Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the orange pill story then kind of how you got started in this whole, I guess, space and, uh, yeah. Why you kind of started, decided to start with this, uh, weekly show.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I I didn't have like the typical uh, amount of touch points. I think that a lot of people talk about kind of like missing Bitcoin over and over again. Uh, I heard about it for the first time in like 2017. Uh, I had a buddy who always kind of just was like flashing off the new technology thing, you know, whether it be like a credit card that consolidates a bunch of different credit cards just on one or, or whatever it might be. And he goes, hey, yeah, I had a buddy. He sent me he sent me one Bitcoin. I've got it right here, and I think he had it on a, like uh, an exchange or something like that. And I was like, "Oh, cool!" Like I don't know anything about it. Uh, and he was like, um, "Yeah." And that was like the last we spoke of it. I didn't really ask him any details because he didn't know much about it. Um, and I think I threw it up on like my, uh, um, you know, on my like Robinhood ticker or something to like watch um and i was like ah well you know i think at the time it was like like 16 15,000 something like that uh and i was just like well i'm just gonna put it i'm gonna watch it and i look look back at the history of it i saw kind of like uh you know the epochs but i wasn't familiar with them or why they happened right like i didn't know about the having or any of that stuff uh and i was like well you know if this thing looks like it has these wild swings. Like if it ever comes back down to like four or $5,000, I'll I'll consider buying some um, without having any idea what it is. Right. Um, And of course, 2020 comes and, uh, you know, everything shuts down. The prices start, uh, you know, kind of barreling down to nothing. And Bitcoin, I think hit maybe 3,800 at at like its lowest point. And i think i bought a bitcoin or something like that at like four grand and then watched it go to five watched it go to six watched it go to seven watched it go to like finally gets up to nine grand i sell it and i go bam just killed it you know maybe <laughs> double double my money and then i watched it go to 10 watched it go to 11 12 and i'm like oh my god what is this thing you know um and so i just started watching youtube videos uh i i forget who the first Person that I re- that really um, I, I connected with, but the first book that I picked up was the Bitcoin Standard. Um, you know, I had heard that referenced a couple times in some of the YouTube videos that I watched, and so I picked up the Bitcoin Standard, read that in a weekend, and it immediately kind of orange pilled me, uh, and I started kind of buying in again. Um, you know, and then all the way through that, you know that holiday where everything kind of skyrocketed. Right. Like, I I think we hit like maybe like high 40s or something like that. Um, I I was, uh, you know, just kind of dollar cost averaging and continuing to learn. Um, And I just got to the point where I was like, you know, when I really started to understand what everybody is, you know, uh, what everybody's talking about now, you know, some of the presidential candidates were talking about it. You know, Bitcoin uh, is a conduit for freedom and democracy uh, around the world. And it's an open network that anybody can, uh, you know, can, can join in on. Right. And it's permissionless. And I just decided, and I was just kind of like, Hey, like, I don't think there's anything more important for me to work on than this, you know? Um, so I even started, you know, looking for, you know, jobs in the space and, and all this and, um, you know, but started the YouTube station with a buddy, uh, that buddy, Liked credit cards. So he talked about credit card rewards and stuff like that. And I talked about Bitcoin. And what was kind of funny is he kept going like, man, you know, the credit card reward stuff is all kind of like shifting, like molding into like crypto and, and, and Bitcoin. Like it's all starting to like roll downhill into that. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as everybody knows, Bit- Bitcoin is kind of eating everything uh, pretty quickly. And he kind of lost his passion for it, and I was just like, you know, I, I again, like I don't have anything better to do in my spare time than to try to push adoption for this and try to build a better world for uh, my children and you know our the people of this country and the people of this world. Um, so I'll continue to do it. Uh, whether or not people are listening. <laughs> you know, all it takes is uh, the, the the one or two comments. Uh, that say, "Hey, thanks. This really helped uh, helped me along in my journey, um, and uh, it's been great. I've gotten to speak to so many uh, people, from you know Larry Lepard to uh, uh, Jeff Booth to Greg Foss, Natalie Brunel. I had BTC sessions come on. I had D from Cold Kite come on and do a little bit of a tutorial of how to use a cold card. Uh, and you know, this last uh, Bitcoin meetup or this last." you know, Bitcoin 2023 was so awesome. And I can't wait to have all uh, of the guests on that I met there as well, because there's just so much learning for the world, uh, you know, to be had. And it's a pleasure to be part of providing that content. Sorry for the long winded response.
0: (laughs) That's what these are for. Right. So, I mean, that, that was great though. I mean, um, You know, it is pretty interesting, you know, kind of how everybody gets their, their way into Bitcoin. But it seems like you're kind of, I guess, more of a, a self-learner into it. So I got to ask, though, did you ever try to dabble into the little of uh, the shit coinery? Or were you just kind of, all right, Bitcoin, Bitcoin only? And like all these other things are too com- com- complicated to, to get down the rabbit hole of.
1: Yeah. So I think when I first, um, excuse me, when I first started, I bought a little bit of, you know, I I joined Coinbase and I was doing their little free educational things to get like a, you know, a little bit of crap coin here, shit coin there, you know, and uh, I bought some Ethereum and I bought, I don't know, like polka dot or whatever. Um, I never, never like felt the need to accumulate them and I would say I quickly, I quickly figured it out, like maybe six months into uh, you know accumulating Bitcoin, that that you know those programs were truly not decentralized. Uh, you know, uh, regardless of calling themselves DeFi and all this other stuff, right? They have central points of failure. There's no um, you know there's they've quickly divested from uh, doing like proof of work uh, mining um and so I, I I recently divested from all of it um but I was just kind of holding on to it because I was just considering it dead money and now I'm just um I, I feel almost panicky like we you could never have enough Bitcoin right with what's kind of going on in the macro economy um so I didn't spend much time in that and I'd really uh, I've never dabbled on it on my show because from the start I could i, I I I felt and understood the difference, um, you know, kind of between the gambling mentality and the like, hey, we need we need a better money (laughs) that can't be, uh, you know, stolen through inflation.
0: Yeah, and that's great. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it it seems like everybody kind of gets like, I don't know, the the temptation initially, but it seems like you kind of uh, avoided that for the most part. You know, I mean, maybe you dabbled in it here or there, but um, overall, it seems like, yeah, you, you kind of hit that orange pill and hit it hard, which is awesome to see. Uh, and then now you're spreading great content. But, um, you know, you, you brought up the Bitcoin conference and kind of meeting people, and networking. And, you know, that's how we met, just kind of sitting down and eating food, I think, on uh, one of the days, too. So uh, tell us a little bit about your experience in, uh, in the Bitcoin conference and, uh, yeah, what, what you were looking to get out of it. And did you get, like, exactly what you wanted out of it?
1: Yeah, so th- the first thing um, that I-, I noticed is is that I missed a couple of the things. There's so much going on, right? And, and Bitcoiners, like they, uh, you know, depending on how uh, technical some of these guys are, they text message on every freaking app possible. So you're getting messages on Telegram, you're getting messages on, uh, you know, on Noster, you're getting messages on Twitter, you're getting messages via email, LinkedIn. Like, and so I I was like a little bit overwhelmed this year. It was my first year going with a media pass. I I went last year, but I kind of just went undercover and, um, you know, just tried to kind of meet people on the fly. Um, So I missed a couple of the speakers that I wanted to see, um, but was quickly able to kind of catch up on those uh, over the last day and a half, just because uh, Bitcoin Magazine does a great job of posting all of the individual. you know, kind of events up on, on YouTube. So you can catch them all there if you missed, uh, missed things. Um, but I went there mainly for, for the connections and always, you know, as much as you believe it, it, in this protocol and, and the anti you know, fragile, um, you know, piece of it, it's good to have the reassurance that there are super sharp pe- people that are continuously building on the network, uh, and that it, it continues to grow. So it's always a, a good reminder that like, hey, this thing's ain't, this thing ain't going away. Like, look at all these sharp people in this room, uh, you know. And maybe maybe someday maybe Bitcoin fails. Right? Um, it's it's not in my thesis. My you know my thesis is in, until it breaks, uh, which may which may be never. Um, but if it does fail, you know that separating money from state. Uh, and the freedom to exchange and the freedom to converse and, you know, to, uh, to communicate is something that is buried deep down in the hearts of these, like, you know, these millions of people, uh, that believe in this protocol. So that's not going to go away. So people will always fight for that regardless whether or not it's Bitcoin or it's something else. Um, So that's good to have. And then of course, to shake all the hands of the people that came on the pod podcast last year. Um, It was great to see them and uh, to shake some new hands and make some uh, good connections moving forward. Um, And then generally just to be around people that have a similar mentality to you, you know, everybody has their uh, special specialities, but, um, Generally speaking, everybody's there to make the world a better place, and that couldn't be any happier of like an occasion, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it, I, I I think you nailed it on the head there, right? I mean, like everybody's kind of there for this the same reason, kind of building along it. And I feel like I've been to uh, you know a few other conferences or like you know networking things, whether it's for you know fiat mining and all that or that other stuff. But it seems like you know when you go to a Bitcoin conference people are, I guess, are more open to talk to you, um, you know, because everybody kind of understands they have the, you know, maybe they have some disagreements here or there, but we're all there for, like you said, the same kind of thing. So, um, you know, what what were you kind of, I guess, uh, I guess most excited uh, about to, to get there um, and to get to Miami and kind of experience? And, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, there was a lot going on. So what was, like, the one favorite uh, memory or whatnot that you had from the entire weekend?
1: Yeah, so my favorite – like obviously the networking is is always the best part of it uh i was looking forward to some big announcements um that kind of came in different forms this year there wasn't any uh you know nation-state adoption i think the philippines talked about you know wanting wanting to work on it more or something like that but uh nothing nothing quite as groundbreaking um but one of the things that i thought was interesting Uh, from last year to this year and and certainly from years before is that there were two presidential candidates, um, both Robert Kennedy Jr. uh, and Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, one being um, Democrat, one being Republican, who both stood up there and spoke about similar topics uh, regarding Bitcoin being freedom. Um, And, you know, Robert Kennedy uh, just his speech was killer. Like, I I don't think I've heard, uh, I don't think I've heard a speech that felt more directed to me, (laughs) you know, like, I I don't know if you've ever had that. Like, it felt like, it felt like however he prepared, he was like, did it with a Bitcoiner there, you know? Um, and was like, what, what can we talk about that? will get you fired up because I was pretty fired up by the end of it. Um, and it's great to see that it's kind of like a, you know, in, in these candidates' eyes is a nonpartisan issue, uh, right? Like, it, it's just like, hey, you know, we need uh, we need money that's void of influence from the government. Um, so th- that was cool to see. And also for both of them to understand that, hey, there is, uh, you know, there's some nasty games going on uh, with the Fed and with, uh, with the amount of debt that we have circulating in our system. And the only way to fix it is by, uh, you know, almost like escaping into a hard, hard money uh, type world. So,
0: yeah, so I I guess I got to ask them, like as a follow up to that. So what is your view on like uh, Bitcoin in politics? Because it seems like it's somewhat of a polarizing topic. It it definitely seems like, you know, after these two presidential candidates that it's going to be on the ballot in some way, shape or form, uh, you know, come next year. So, uh yeah, I'll just leave it a little open ended there. Uh, so what's your view on it? Do you think that, you know, I guess this is more sincere or is it more grifting? And uh yeah, take it from there.
1: Yeah, just trying to get votes. Yeah. So generally speaking, right, like I'm not I'm not big I- into politics. Um I, I think, um, you know, I, I think. If you follow the money, right, you can always find out what a politician is trying to do, and it's kind of it kind of is is sickening. I think there's a couple politicians that feel like honest actors, um, but but generally speaking, I don't really care what they want to do. And you know, again, the U.S. having a favorable policy on Bitcoin is uh, you know is obviously great, and I cheer for that for a reason of um you know i want the us to continue to be uh, a dominant uh, a dominant force in the global financial system and i think if they're going to do that they need to adopt some sort of favorable bitcoin policy we saw jack from strike announced that they're moving uh, moving their headquarters to el salvador like that you know everybody was clapping that made me sick you know i'm like this is horrible, right? This is exactly what we don't need to happen as a country uh, that's sitting on $32 trillion of debt, um, you know, with uh, the highest interest rates we've had in years, um, you know, rolling over 30% of that debt in the next year, right? Like uh, we, we don't need less production. We need more production and more taxable production without increasing the percentage, just increasing, increasing the actual output, right? Um, so, I mean, as far as, uh, politics go, I mean, I, I don't really think that it'll be something that, uh, I, I feel like the left is currently like doing what they can under the radar. And I, I can't imagine that it actually hits like the ballots in any way. I don't, I don't think it's there yet. I don't think that they necessarily feel it's there. Uh, I think the people that really know about it. Uh, might feel like it's there, but I don't. I don't think that, you know, go go try to talk to somebody about Bitcoin, you know, like off the street, like no, they don't care. You know what I mean? So like I, I, I think that they're going to try to, you know, regulate it how they can without uh, getting the general public in by slipping it in bills like they've been trying to do. You know, like, um, you know, like the thirty percent tax on Bitcoin mining uh, energy used for Bitcoin mining right like oh we'll just slip this in a bill and hope nobody really like cares about it right um, so that's kind of my feeling on that
0: yeah it's interesting you say that because you know i don't know if you're on on twitter space as much like last year but it seemed like every single week there was some politician that you know was running in you know one state one district whatever it was and kind of using bitcoin as the backbone of their you know stance and because they were using that that would gain like a bunch of Twitter followers and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, I kind of tend to agree with you there. It's like, all right, well, you know, that's obviously it's a, it, fix the money, fix the world is a, you know, common mantra and Bitcoin Twitter and the Bitcoin space. But at the end of the day, you gotta, uh, you know, kind of see their other issues, other things like that. Like if they're trying to turn this into like a single issue vote or something like that, I don't know if it's necessarily sincere. Um, so I saw Robert Kennedy's speech. I missed Vivex. Um, Unfortunately, but uh, and I haven't caught up on it just yet. Uh, but it seemed like you know Kennedy was pretty knowledgeable on the subject. So um, at the very least, it seems like politicians are getting you know a little bit more knowledgeable, are having to spend that time to kind of you know I guess understand the differences between Bitcoin and crypto. Um, you know we've had obviously uh, Senator Lummis uh, who's been you know pretty outspoken on the subject. So you know I'll see I, I I'll probably look to see like more politicians get onto it but like you said that the thing that worries me the most is is companies kind of moving away and moving their headquarters out of the united states um so you know obviously strike is the one that made made big headlines uh but you know coinbase for whatever you know you want to say that about about coinbase it seems like you know the regulations around around crypto in the united states are kind of you know, I guess hurting the the companies that are trying to build on it. So, um, in a sense, does that worry you more so about companies just getting up and leaving first, or uh, I guess does it the I guess the politician side of things where they might just regulate too hard um, and make it very difficult to build a you know a business whether it's around Bitcoin or or crypto to a lesser extent.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, regarding like the Bitcoin network in general, I, I'm not necessarily worried about any of it, right? Like it's proven to be pretty um, uh, anti-fragile, right? Like if, you know, a country has uh, banned it, you see like the amount of users uptick go like crazy, right? Like there, the U.S. I, I would suspect tries, you know, I think Lynn Alden spoke about it, right? Like it's very typical for countries that begin to have high inflation Uh, try to trap the money inside of their own system and and prevent on-ramps and off-ramps and things like that. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised to see that keep happening. I mean, we, we have to fight, you know, the good fight where we can. Um, But, uh, you know, I, I I just, I just think it's a a giant mistake. Right. And we just need to keep beating the drum where we can. Um, I mean, it was clear like Robert, Robert Kennedy, like, newest stuff. I mean, he's an environmentalist, is what he's known for. Uh, and, and the fact that in, in a speech, you know, he he can address Bitcoin mining uh, and the fact that it's, a you know, its ability to stabilize grids while also bootstrapping green energy. Uh, and, and he can balance that with the fact that, hey, yes, it does use energy, right? Like, it does, you know, and, and for him not to damn it for the fact that it uses energy just in my eyes means that he's kind of like an impartial actor or he has an understanding, right? He doesn't have somebody paying him money to say, you know, particular things about that topic. It just means that he's a smart individual who's done his work um, and, and is being candid about the stuff. And that's what it felt like his whole whole speech was like. Um, so I'm hopeful there, but you know, we had guys like uh, uh, Mayor Adams for New York who who ran on uh you know, talking about Bitcoins and <laughs> and then came out straight with like a Bitcoin mining ban, like as soon as he got in office and he are just like, what, what a clown, right? Um, so like the Bitcoin motto goes, don't trust, verify, right? Like at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we, you know, we get to vote, uh, but we don't get to control, you know, a lot of this stuff is by un, uh, unelected officials and, and things that we can't control. Um, So what we need to do as Bitcoiners and as people looking uh, to continue to be or or continue to push freedom is to just keep building the network, um, continue to operate in a peer to peer fashion when we can, you know, get your non-KYC sats off of BISC, you know, work for Bitcoin, do what you can to to get Bitcoin in different ways uh, and, you know, begin to kind of push the circular economy with it and do, you know, spend and replace where you can. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's my thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Well, you you brought up an interesting point at the end there about spending and replace, because it seems to be... I don't know. It, it, there's kind of like a huddle mentality when it comes to a lot of, I, I would say, Americans when it comes to, to Bitcoin, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, some others overseas or, or some that have been just kind of in the space for quite a while or more into spending it. So I guess, uh, yeah, what's your kind of overall view on, uh, you know, the spend and replace kind of stuff? And I guess that that update you know i mean while you're in miami obviously all the vendors took took bitcoin at the bitcoin conference um you know there's a there was a few events at tequizas which is a great taco place you could spend bitcoin um but you know obviously the options are somewhat limited at this point um so you know i guess what's your what's your overall view on uh that kind of ecosystem and as it grows um here in the next coming years
1: Yeah. So the enterprise stage uh, did some good stuff on like business and using lightning for, you know, businesses. And uh, I think that as uh, you you know, as people continue to keep building, the stuff just begins to become easier and easier to integrate, right? Like uh, Jack Dorsey hasn't announced, uh, announced it yet, but like, you know, that Square is just a a button press away from integrating lightning payments to all their terminals all over the world right so like they're probably if i had to guess they're they're dealing with some sort of regulation uh and trying to get some regulatory understanding of the best way uh that they can do that um but generally speaking my policy is everywhere i go i just ask if i can pay in bitcoin um just you know for shits and gigs and sometimes you you know get to have your conversation for the day about Bitcoin so you don't got bother your bother your wife about it later <laughs> you know get it out there so um and then as far as like you know spending and replacing uh I, I normally like I'll only do it like if I have you know a couple bucks here or there um for things generally Generally speaking, the, the accounting rules in the United States and the tax rules, right, are not super favorable. Uh, actually, they've been, they've been reasonably favorable since the price has been uh, pretty suppressed from when I started to buy. So if anything, the government owes me money back on anything that I spend. But generally speaking, every time you spend it is a taxable, uh, it is a taxable event. Uh, and a lot of people are running like, I think, FIFO, like first in, first out, not financial advice, <laughs> but, uh, you know, understanding your tax basis and everything like that is important when you're spending it. So if you are going to do that, um, you know, make sure you're keeping track of that and doing doing all the accounting you need. But, um, yeah, I think you have to support businesses uh, to push adoption. And, of course, you know, we sit on a huge um, financial privilege here in the United States where, you know, a lot of people don't even know that they need a, a better store value than the dollar. Um, and so, you know, it, it's tough, tough to push here, the, the purpose of Bitcoin. But in some of these glo- global south countries, right, like that might not have access to the U.S. dollar, that have a currency that's devaluing at 90 percent a year. Like it is something that's absolutely critical for them. Like they need they need an outlet, they need a way to escape from, you know, the tyranny of overspending by the country and or, or, you know, whatever financial jam their country's got them in. Um, I mean, money is just an extension of your time and it's it's criminal that these, you know, these poor people are getting it stolen uh, from them on a regular basis. 100%.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, back to the spend and replace kind of method. I I, I agree. And I think like more businesses are going to start to, you know, accept Bitcoin here or there as as adoption kind of grows, maybe the next bull run too. Um, But, you know, I think that the problem is, is like one, like the lightning, um, you know, I guess the lightning infrastructure is good for now for what it is, but in order to obviously onboard just every single person, it's not up to that speed just yet. So, I think it still needs some time to get some development. And, you know, we need to like, as much as I hate to say it in order for businesses to accept, we do need a little bit more clarity on like the regulations where the average business owner is not super intimidated about, you know, getting taxed out the wazoo, you know, like you said, when, when it comes to, you know, buying and uh, or buying either goods for their, whatever they're offering or, you know, just accepting it as payment, because I think that's, you know, kind of the biggest fear is that, you know, hey, am I going to get all this money or all this Bitcoin or whatever and then get hit with a huge-ass tax bill at the end of the year? Like, I'm not really, you know, prepared for that. Um, but in reality, I think, like, you know, a, th- a thing that a business owner really needs to take into account is that really, like, just 10% of their customers, maybe even less, would pay in Bitcoin, depending on where they're at. Um, so, you know, I, I, I always try to word it as, like, you know, where's the where's the negative there, right? You get a little bit of publicity, you'll get some like, you know, maybe we'll we'll host a local meet up there or do something like that. Um, and people will eat there once a week, once a month, whatever paying Bitcoin. Um, but other than that, you know, there, there's not going to be a huge amount of, you know, people kind of going through and through and uh, asking to pay in that and, and whatnot. So uh, in your experience, though, when you go up to these restaurants, and you talk about like, hey, can I pay in Bitcoin? Or, You know whatever you're maybe you're buying um you know what's the i guess the overall general response do you get like a oh you know it's too volatile do you kind of have to explain the lightning network like what what's kind of your approach when you're trying to on onboard some of these businesses
1: uh yeah so i want to jump back a, a little bit uh a little bit before i get into that but um so i think uh I think the Lightning Network uh, is nice from a standpoint of also like you have some optionality, right? Like as a business owner, you can accept Bitcoin, uh, but not necessarily hold the Bitcoin, right? Like you can have uh, you can you can accept Bitcoin and have it land in your uh, wallet as US dollars. Right. So you don't even you can make the transaction over the Bitcoin network. Somebody can choose to pay with Bitcoin and then it lands. So. Um, I mean, you do have an option as a business owner, right? To just accept it, right? And and I think think the easier it becomes to just like for a business owner to go like, oh, this is dumb. Like I've had, let's say I've just had like 15 people in the last year ask me if I can accept Bitcoin. Like if I can just accept it without paying any additional infrastructure or something like that, it it becomes easy for them to accept. Uh, They'll do that. But to your point, Um, You know, my family owns nine restaurants uh, in in Northeast Ohio. And, you know, for them, you know, their first question to me when I was like, you guys should accept Bitcoin was, well, does Toast allow us to accept it? And does it roll up? Does it roll up through our financial system that is built through that Toast system into QuickBooks or I forget whatever the heck they use? And I was like, no. (laughs) And they're like, pass, (laughs) you know. So it's something that needs. Uh, you know, for somebody that's not passionate about Bitcoin, right, like it, it needs to just be something that's uh, as easily integratable as whatever the system is that they're using, uh, you know, ex, uh, using currently. Um, and then what, what was your question again? I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, but no, I mean, it, just to kind of go on to, to, to piggyback off that point, though, is, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. Once we get it into like you, you brought up Square and Jack Dorsey, like I imagine that's kind of coming soon. They haven't announced it, obviously, but it's it's fun to kind of speculate about that as much as he's a, a Bitcoiner in itself. So, you know, wh- whether it's Toast or one of these other things, you know, I, I think the API is available for for one of these, uh, you know, payment uh, rails, uh, so to speak. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think it, it's kind of coming soon. But uh, the other question was on orange pilling, um, you know, <clears throat> businesses and other things like that, when you're approaching them, you know, what is really your, your approach when you're attempting to... I guess bring them on and kind of pay in Bitcoin. And uh, what what's what are some of the crazier reactions that you get from that?
1: Yeah, so I would I would say like it seems like the smaller the business, the more uh, the more receptive they are. You know, because you go to a larger business, people are like, dude, like I don't control any of this. You know, like I. Um, so the smaller the business, and then also like you know. What what generation uh, like American the person is right like so uh, like I run it you know I'll run into people you know uh, somebody from India or something like that who, who's who's running you know whatever it might be a restaurant or a shop and they're a little bit more you know re- receptive um, the you know we've got like a a couple of haircut places down the street uh, ran by a bu- bunch of Mexican kids. And they, um, you know, they're like, hell yeah, you know, they're like, we send money back home all the time. You know, uh, we've heard that you could do that over Bitcoin. Like, why wouldn't we accept it? Right. Like the U.S. dollar isn't our money anyways. Like, this isn't the money that I was born using. Like, this is just a conduit again. Like, and I think part of it is like they see it as their time, you know, as an extension of their time more than they see it uh, as U.S. dollars. So when they see it that way, they go like, why wouldn't I accept that? You know, why wouldn't I make it? Um, and then, you know, as far as the craziest stuff I've heard, it, it normally, like, I, I try not to push too hard. Again, a lot of times I'll be with my wife. So she's like, hey, easy, like, come on, like, you know, you're going to get us kicked out of here or something. Uh, so the crazy responses are probably more from her than anybody. Um, but I I, I think, you know, it's normally just like uh you know, I've got nothing to do with how we accept that. And, you know, I'll be like, well, you should mention it to your boss or sometimes I'll ask for a boss or something like that. But I normally don't push too hard. I like to just put, you know, just continue to pepper it into people's ears and uh, they'll they'll begin to absorb it uh, over the years. And then when something easy does become available. Right. Like when when toast does come, say, and have their announcement and they say, hey, listen, you know, we integrated uh, with strike or whatever, or, you know, uh, and we can, we can now accept Bitcoin, you know, they'll be the first ones to jump on it because they'll
0: have had somebody to ask them. Yeah, for sure. And you'll, you'll, you'll give them that extra push that time though. Right. I mean, <laughs> on maybe you'll be like, all right, we, we can handle it now. But, um, you know, you, you mentioned something a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, countries having their, their currencies kind of, I guess, debased, extremely devalued or other things like that. I mean, I saw an article today. Argentina uh, is raising interest rates to 97% um, just because of how bad their inflation is for their currency. Um, You know, obviously, Jack Maulers, he was kind of walking on stage and named all these countries that Strike is now available in. He was wearing an Argentina hat. So maybe there's time to speculate as to whether or not Argentina is kind of one that uh, grassroots movement starts there. Uh, as it seems like it's a country that, um, you know, severely needs uh, something like Bitcoin, where, you know, I mean, obviously their fiat currency is extremely, extremely volatile. So, um, you know, I guess what's your viewpoint on uh, like nation states adopting? Um, Do you kind of uh, I I guess I'll put you on the spot here. Do you you kind of like think that Bitcoin, you know, in order to grow its validity needs that or do you think, uh, you know, the the grassroots movement and kind of like, you know, I guess the pleb mindset of everything is kind of uh, sufficient at least for the time being?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all roads lead to Rome, right? Like all roads lead to Bitcoin. So um, I, I think it's a combination of everything, really, that's going to happen. You know, I don't, I, I, th- I would imagine that we probably have another, you know, South American country begin to adopt. I don't know if Argentina, were they the one who accepted the IMF deal, uh and part of the IMF deal is that they would not like touch cryptocurrency in their sovereign fund. (laughs)
0: Yeah, they, they were, which is kind of interesting because, you know, obviously uh, what I just lined out, right? I mean, their, their interest rates are so, you know, drastically high right now, 97%, right? I mean, in the U.S., we're complaining about weaponizing uh, interest rates and, you know, the 75 basis points hikes. But imagine like, all right, well, the next Fed meeting, they're doing a 10% interest rate hike, which seems like what's going on there. So um, it, it's interesting. I mean, maybe the IMF kind of backed them into a corner uh, well, I mean, it seemingly seems that way, right? That they they backed him into a corner and said like, hey, you need to do this in order for us to help you out. Um, but yeah, go on. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt too much. Yeah,
1: no, no. I mean, that's that's exactly right. Like, I think one of the most powerful people in the Bitcoin community uh, is a gentleman who works for uh, the Human Rights Foundation, Alex Gladstein, right? Like he does, uh, you know, he just came out with his his recent book. I think that goes in depth about how the IMF and, you know, some of these, um, you know, I, I don't even know what the, what to call them, what, what, what they think their roles are in the world. Right. Um, but, but how they use their, you know, their power to lend money to basically extract everything from these countries. Right. Uh, on, on a entire, like on a nation state level, which is absolutely sickening. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard. Like, hopefully, you know, again, you can't stop people from using Bitcoin. So I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's becoming uh, very commonly used there. The, you know, 96% uh, rate is like crazy. You know, I can't even like really fathom how quickly you need to like, not hold that money, right? Like, if somebody gives you that money, you're just like, "I, I don't care, sweetie, spend it, you know, like, just buy something other than this, you know, like buy those Gucci bags, like that'll be way better than uh, trying to hold this for more than a couple minutes. Right. Um, Yeah. It's bad. I mean, I I talked to a gentleman on the, on the flight back home. Uh, He was a Serbian uh, gentleman and he didn't really know too much about this stuff. And we kind of talked about, you know, the amount of debt that the United States is in and you know the raising rates raising rates caught you know creates uh you know the debt becoming more expensive right as it rolls over and he was like you know i moved from serbia years ago uh because you know we had we had tons of issues over there and now i'm here and it's like it's like it's really hard for me to hear this stuff uh and he's just like now when you phrase it like this like he's like we should just not we have to get out of the money <laughs> and it's like yeah and and we're we're in we're in the best country you know we reside in the country that is holding the world reserve you know we're the world reserve asset and currency of the world currently currently um and, and it's scary here like imagine what it is in Argentina like it's just it, it's sad it's actually and it's pretty appalling
0: yeah, and I think uh, you know that the, Gladstein was uh, you know I've heard him speak a few times, and I think that was one of his better better speeches uh, was the, this one at uh, the Bitcoin conference. And you know, for those who haven't checked it out, I, I believe the recordings up on in Bitcoin Magazine's YouTube or something like that. I'm sure you could find it. But essentially, uh, you know, I, I've never really thought about it until I've heard it heard him speak about it the past two times. Uh, I saw him once at like the Bitcoin Commons, and then um, you know, obviously here at Bitcoin 2023, where, you know, the current fiat system basically, you know, allows the United States to prosper, but it also comes by the suffering of so many other nation states around the, around the globe. And that's kind of like the, the design. And so obviously, you know, when El Salvador adopted Bitcoin, I kind of thought about it a little bit, but never to the extent that he was kind of lining out. And, uh, you know, it's going to be kind of interesting to see like how, kind of how it all plays out when you know, kind of uh, obviously looking forward, right, if, you know, we get to that Bitcoin standard that, you know, everybody in the Bitcoin space kind of thinks that we're going to get to, uh, you know, how is that system really going to work? Because, you know, the United States as, as it stands right now that the number one export is, is the US dollar. So um, we're, we're not really making enough goods here uh, to, I guess, self-sustain. We can, theoretically, Uh, but, uh, we have a lot of policies that, that limit our, um, you know, growth in, you know, whether it's oil and gas or some of these other, other things like that too. So, um, I guess I, will I'll bring up the the macro environment here in the United States because, um, you know, you brought up a little bit of the talk with the Serbian fellow on the, on the plane. So, um, you know, with the interest rates rising as they are, um, and kind of, uh, you know, where we're going, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll ask that. Where do you think we're, we're kind of going with all of it and, uh. Yeah. Do, do you personally think that we're in a recession already? Or do you think we're, uh, I guess, heading towards that way?
1: Man, you know, I I, I LARP as a as a macro economy guy, right? Like I, you know, Bitcoin kind of brings you down that rabbit hole. So, you, you know, you learn as much as you can about it. Uh, for me, I mean, you know, they're talking today about having to continue to raise, uh, you know, raise rates and We've already seen banks begin to to fail right like they're uh, what they've been investing in is garbage right they're investing in bonds it's like a giant Ponzi scheme right like the you know the fed and the government needs to keep the cycle of uh, you know these banks need to to take in your deposits and and you know invest your deposits in U.S. Treasuries and buy commercial real estate and uh, or you know give out loans for commercial real estate and do this and do that and all of the, all of these banks are are underwater basically right if people go to ask for their money they can't liquidate this stuff and if they do there's billions of dollars of losses on the books um, and so now the Fed is uh, you know they're already backstopping it right. Um, and so, I mean, listen, I think that they, you know, maybe raise like one more time or something like that. And, you know, we continue to see stuff break. And as far as like, are we in a recession? I mean, tons of people getting laid off. Like, I feel like that's got to be like underreported, right? Like, I mean, we're seeing just like every, every day there's a new company that's laying off thousands, you know, 50,000 employees here. Like, um, it, it's, not a, it's not a great job market. Um and you know anybody who's got uh, any type of exposure to variable interest rate on their debt is screwed, right? And a huge portion of that is people that own commercial real estate. Um, and I, I sell elevators for a living, and I've already had two co- two contracts. Uh, and I sell elevators in existing buildings, so I. We modernize. We call it modernization, where we take out all the old components, put in new. Uh, and I've been under contract and had two of those fallen through because buildings had to refinance, uh, and they're just going like, listen, um, you know, we're like only fifty percent occupied, and we're now having to roll over these loans, and it's going to cost us twice as much to service those loans on a monthly basis, and we don't have people in here. Like, what are we going to do? So some of the largest buildings in Chicago are you know, looking for buyers. They're looking just to get out from under the debt. Um, and of course, you know, who holds uh, if they default, right? Like, where does that risk fall on? And it falls on the banks. So, like, I think there's some systematic risk that's kind of underlying uh, all of this, uh, um, you know, all this rate incre- all these rate increases. And I don't think that we've seen kind of the end of the pain. Um, and I look forward to, uh, I love Bitcoin because it it, it keeps your eyes on the need to produce more than you consume, right? Like it brings, uh, and I think that everybody, you know, everybody that's watching this or listening to this, right? You have a responsibility to yourself to produce more than you consume, to your family, to your community, to your state. And as a country, you know, we have... Uh, the obligation to produce more than we consume or otherwise we are going to end up in issues <laughs> like this, right? Where we have a debt unwind. Um, and I think that Bitcoin creates a concentration on that because it's not easily, uh, you know, uh, nobody wants paper Bitcoin, right? It's, it's a bearer instrument that can be held uh, and sent across the world in an instant.
0: Yeah, and I and I agree there, and and that that the thing you're lining out about commercial real estate is definitely very scary. And I mean, it seems like that's the kind of the growing sentiment, you know, around even just like financial Twitter, right? I mean, even the people that aren't on aren't into Bitcoin or anything, that's kind of what they're noticing, right? I mean, I've heard it right from people in banks, and uh, you know, just people like that just kind of observe that market as well. You know, it seems like, uh, yeah, I mean, COVID had the great, I guess, uh, you know, resignation is what they call it, right? I mean, a bunch of people quitting their jobs and going to more remote jobs that kind of paid a little bit more. Uh, So what happened to all those, you know, office buildings and uh, things like that? It seems like, you know, especially in big cities like Chicago, New York. Um, Boston, like some of these bigger metropolises uh, or m- metropolitan areas that, you know, had like pretty strict COVID laws that, um, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, I can move down to Florida, Texas, Tennessee. Um, you know all these things. Um, you know people don't really think about what, what what's going to be like some of the layover effects with that, right? And you know some of the layover effects are obviously, you know, one like growth companies are are hurting, kind of not getting as much money, right? So we're seeing a lot of the tech layoffs that we that we've already seen, and I imagine, you know, we'll kind of kind of continue to see that um, at least in that sector for for the the time being. And then then two, you know, those buildings where those companies that are failing or or whatever. Uh, they aren't paying rent anymore. So, uh, you know, somebody has got to pony up that bill and usually they only have reserves for a certain amount of time. So either you're going to be able to get a, some, some really cheap commercial properties. And this is a time where, you know, a, a shark kind of comes in and swoops it up or BlackRock or somebody like that, uh, which would kind of be unfortunate because, you know, then we have, you know, more centralized, uh, except it's just through like a big, big giant corporation that owns like, all the downtowns and a lot of these big cities. But I don't know, it'll be interesting to see if we play it how it plays out. I mean, I definitely for one think that we're already kind of in a recession, just for some of the things that you've lined out. And like, you know, we I feel like we haven't even really started seeing the the main pain that we're going to start seeing for like the average individual, right? I mean, we're seeing a lot of layoffs. But you know, usually some of those jobs are they're able to find other jobs like relative, like within three months, I think is the average right now. So generally speaking, it, it's not as, I guess, hot of a job market as like previous times, but it seems like, you know, there's still, still people hiring out there, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree with you there on the job numbers that I think they are, they're all, all kind of, I guess, fabricated in a sense. And the fed looks at all this data and that's how they make their decisions. And it's, that's what blows my mind is like, the jobs reports a survey, CPI is is back looking from the month prior. And so they're going to make a forward looking decision based on back looking data. So, I mean, it's just like, all right, well, you know, looking at the back two months, it looks like it's decreasing a little bit. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just all a crock of shit at this point. To me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, You know, that's why I feel like Bitcoin could be really the only solution because you need to take the power out of the people's hands because like one, They're not looking at like reliable data. And two, they don't know how to analyze it. So, I mean, it's like, you know, I don't envy the fed at all, but I mean, what, what, what can they do?
1: Yeah. I mean, ultimately like at the end of the day, right. Like they're creating, they have created the issue, right. Like uh, you know, credit uh, and the amount of, of credit being issued creates these uh, excuse me for the background noise. uh, Speaking of metropolitan cities, um. And, uh, you know, they, they, they created the issue, right? Like, so these giant swings and the consolidation that you talk about, right? Like, you know, somebody who's sitting on cash, somebody who knew that this, you know, was coming, uh, as long as they, you know, know what they're going to do with these buildings. Cause like, I was thinking about it and it's like, wait, would I buy these buildings? And I'm kind of like, I don't know, you know, cause there's been, like you said, like, people have been wanting to move out of these cities, right? Like we were the first places to have, uh, you know, these restrictions and lockups hit hard, uh, and, you know, uh, and liberties, you know, certain liberties kind of taken away from us. Um, so I I think that there's probably going to be like a a flock out of the cities, uh, and, and a movement outside of it. So as far as what do you do with these buildings? I mean, I've seen some of the, you know, in my industry, I'm seeing them, you know, ask me if I can jump elevators up and do like rooftop type elevators because they want to add, uh, you know, turn half of the building into residential. And but again, like you can't have all residential with no businesses. So like these places have to, you know, uh, again, like they have to concentrate on producing and bringing, uh, you know, bringing companies in through favorable, um, you know, some sort of favorable uh, regulation or or. Uh, whatever it might be, right? Like you want these companies, you, you know, you can't have, Strike is based here in Chicago, right? Uh, they're at 200, 200 North LaSalle, downtown Chicago, and now they're going to be in El Salvador, right? Like that's just another place that's moving out, you know, that's potentially moving out of the Chicago office here. So, um, yeah, I think I, I think we're, you know, I think major cities are in for kind of a tough time. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't speak for like New York the same, but, you know, obviously like San Francisco is having a hell of a time, right? Like the, these huge, huge swings and consolidations are, um, I mean, and this is history, right? Like this has happened all the time. That's why the division between the, uh, the haves and the have nots have gotten bigger. The polarization between left and right. Um, it's, you know, it's a problem. It's a problem. And, and Bitcoin, um, returns some sort of, uh, you know, hard money standard returns some sort of uh, balance to it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, that was a great, I think, like last little segment there. So uh, Shibs, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, yeah, just right after the Bitcoin conference, while it's all fresh in the mind and everything (laughs) like that. So um, you've already mentioned a little bit before, but why don't you tell everybody uh, what you got going on and where they can find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, check out the YouTube station. It's the weekly hodl with shibs. Um, I do an episode. I try to release one every Saturday when I can. Uh, Again, I've got some great interviews coming up. I've got some great old interviews if you want to go watch. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm also on Twitter, uh, weekly hodl on Twitter. So feel free to catch me there. And uh, yeah. Let me know if there's anybody you want me to have on, you know, we're all out here hunting, good guests. So
0: yeah, for sure. Hey, same here. Yeah. If anybody wants to send anybody my way, let me know. But yeah, Shibs, thanks so much, man. I I will put all that in the show notes as well. So if you're looking for his YouTube channel or his Twitter, be sure to give him a follow and a subscription. So uh, Shibs, thanks so much, man.
1: Hey, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Cheers.